middle of talking about the land of Israel. And we're talking about the fact that those who prophesied, according to Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, even those who prophesied not in the land of Israel, they prophesied because their prophecy was either go to the land of Israel or was because that was their ultimate resting place in the case of Adam. Page 157, paragraph number three. This is the land which is called in front of God, that which scripture, scripture states, God's eyes are constantly upon it. This is also borne out from the story of Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel. It was on this land that jealousy and desire first arose between Cain and Hevel, and they strove to find out which one of them was worthy of taking their father's place as the elite of heart, or as elite and heart. What chosen would inherit Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, and would attach himself to divinity, while the other brother would be as the peel of the fruit, which is how we have been describing up until now the individuals who have a role to play in this world, but not the ultimate or not the main purpose of this world. Subsequently, Havel was killed at the hand of his brother, making the position of Adam's successor vacant. Scripture then records that Cain left God's presence, meaning that he was driven out of Eretz Israel where they had lived up until this time, and became a vagrant and wanderer throughout the land. Scripture likewise states regarding Yonah that Yonah arose to flee to Tarshish away from God's presence. He was fleeing from the land of prophecy so that he would not have to prophesy, prophesy any longer. God returned him to Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, in the innards of the fish, and therefore he prophesied. Adam's son, Chase, was born with the likeness of his father, as it says, and he begot in his likeness and his image. He thereby replaced Havel as the elite descendant, as it says. For God has appointed to me another child in place of Havel, who was therefore worthy of being called the son of God, just as Adam was. He also merited Eretz Israel, which is one level of the Garden of Eden. But on the bottom, he points out something fascinating. When Adam is kicked out of the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden is really the land that is the most apropos, the most spiritually attuned, the land that is easiest to connect to God, right? The, the fabric separating between the physical and the spiritual is the, is the smallest blockage in the Garden of Eden. However, once we eat from the Exodus, we get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden is an unknown place now. So when we talk about Eretz Israel being the land that God has his eyes on from the beginning of the year to the end, it's not actually the land that has the greatest spiritual capacity. It's just the land that has the greatest spiritual capacity given that on Eden is no longer accessible. It's like Yishmael struggled over Eretz Israel until Yishmael was finally pushed aside as the peel. Even though God stated about Yishmael, I have blessed him and made him great in number, this referred only to worldly bounty. Whereas in regard to Yitzchak, God stated afterwards, I will establish my covenant with Yitzchak. Meaning that Yitzchak would attach himself to divinity and the special rewards of the world to come. This is a really fascinating idea. Because in fact, the Zohar teaches, the Kabbalistic teachings, that the connection to the land of Israel is dependent on the covenant of the bris milah, as we say. Right? What's the bris milah? Bris milah means the covenant of the, the mila, of the removal of the force. And the Zohar points out that this is not a coincidence that who we always struggle with for the land of Israel are the descendants of Yishmael. Why? The descendants of Yishmael also have that covenant. So like this, 
I'm not sure when I went out, but I'm just explaining this, this point in the Zohar. And the Zohar explains really that the, the children of Yishmael also have some sort of connection to the land of Israel because they also do the Prismila. They also have this Prismila. And it's not a coincidence that they have it because they are the descendants of Abraham. And Abraham was commanded to do a bris, right? To do the, the actual circumcision to his son, Yishmael, just as much as he was commanded to do it to, to Yitzchak, okay? Now, what Rabbi Yudha Levi is pointing out, though, is that there is something different about this. We always have to recognize that there is a connection on a physical level and there is a connection on a spiritual level. The people from Yishmael, they have the rights or some claim, at least, to the land of Israel, but they can only access the physical bounty. They cannot access the underlying spiritual bounty. The land of Israel is not just associated with a great, great spiritual bounty and the capacity to have a special connection with Hashem. It is also associated with the physical bounty. Now, they are very, very much tied to each other, as the Gemara teaches, that after we get kicked out of the land of Israel, and the very first time, and the destruction of the first temple, no longer is there such miraculous yield, miraculous harvest, as the word to be found during the time when the Jewish people were in the land of Israel, and Hashem's presence was to be found in the land of Israel. So there is an intertwining of these two destinies, right? But the fact of the matter is, when he is talking about right now, that Yishmael is pushed aside, that is a reference to they weren't going to be the spiritual inheritors of the land of Israel, or rather the inheritors of the spiritual capacity of the land of Israel. Now, with regard to Yitzchak, God had stated, I will establish my covenant with Yitzchak, meaning that Yitzchak would attach himself to divinity and the special rewards of the world to come. Neither Yishmael nor Esau inherited this covenant, despite the fact that their nations became successful in this world. That wasn't exactly what they were really fighting over, right? And ultimately, when the nations of the world, the reason why they hate the Jews as much as they do, to a large extent, is really a jealousy of a spiritual connection. Now, you'll tell me they don't believe in God. They don't believe in free will. The, the reality is that everybody knows this on some level, because it is not just Jews who have a soul that tells them the truth and tells them the reality of life. Non-Jews have a soul, too. And they recognize that. And there is a jealousy, as the Gemara tells us again and again and again. There's a jealousy of the special mission that the Jewish people have and a special relationship that we have with us. Rivalry between Yaakov and Esau arose over this land, both in the form of the rights of the firstborn and the special blessing given by Yitzchak. They seemingly are two separate ideas. Maybe there is some confluence there as well, but there are two separate incidences that take place. First of all, they're fighting over who is the one who has the right to the firstborn. And then they fight over who is the one who gets the special bracha, special blessing from Yitzchak. Esau was eventually pushed aside from Eretz Yisrael, despite Esau's physical strength and Yaakov's weakness. Yirmiyot's prophecy in Egypt was actually in a portion of Egypt that is part of Eretz Yisrael, and it was also for Eretz Yisrael's sake. Because ultimately, when we get the land of Israel the way that we should be getting the land of Israel, part of our dominion will be part of the land of Israel. The same is true for the prophecies of Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam, which took place in Paran, which is also a part of Eretz Yisrael. The Sinai Desert and Paran are both considered parts of Eretz Yisrael, because both of them are contained within the boundary of the Red Sea of which scripture writes, and I will place your boundaries from the Red Sea until the Philistine Sea, and from the desert until the river. The desert in this verse refers to the Paran Desert, which scripture also calls a great and awesome desert, the southern border of Eretz Yisrael. The river in the verse refers to the Euphrates River, which is the northern border of Eretz Yisrael. Okay, so we're going to stop over here on page 160.
at chapter number nine. And for those of you I won't see tomorrow morning, have a great Shabbos. This is the Shabbos we talked about. The Asuli Mikdash, the Shachanti Besocham, right? The most incredible idea, perhaps, that Judaism has ever given to the world, right? That Hashem says, make for me a holy place, right? And I will dwell in their midst or in your midst, right? Incredible idea. Hashem is going to dwell in our midst if we build that he will come, right? The famous line from Build the Dreams, right? That's really where he got it from. We all know that, right? If you build it, he will come. If you build the, the Mishkan, you build the tabernacle, Hashem will come and dwell in our houses. And as Shirit knows, and as, as Bruce knows as well, from Dafyomi, now that we no longer have a Yisamekdash or a Mishkan, the place in which we will have the presence of Hashem will be our souls and also places where we learn Torah. That is actually the place now in which Hashem's presence will be found in this world. Incredible idea. Wherever we live, as long as it's not a show where there's too much fighting and break off Minyanim going here and there, then probably it'll have the presence of Hashem in that moment. Okay, take care, everyone. We will have a great job.